0: God is so good amen our kids are dismissed to their classes now I know you're excited about that praise the Lord Enjoy. today is a is a special day we are we are starting a new series um, this week and it's a four-part series you're actually gonna have four different speakers that are gonna come and are going to share and this this series that we're starting today is called functional faith and it is, it is dealing with parenting. Uh, one thing that we are very much committed to in this church is discipling and developing our children in biblical ways. And if we don't talk about that, then obviously, you know, you're not going to get it by osmosis or something like, hey, I'm supposed to be discipling my kids. And so what I did was I spoke to a couple of people that I respect highly and um, that I know well that I would consider them to be successful parents. And when I, when I use the term successful parents, I'm not talking about someone who has produced an Ivy League student or some super successful business person, because for some of us, that's the way that we measure our success in parenting. But the way that I measure success in parenting is, do your children know Jesus? When your children leave your home, are they following Christ? Are they serving the Lord? Because the most important thing, listen, all of that Ivy League, every degree they got, all the money they made, guess what? It's all going to remain behind. But the reality is that if we are able to develop our kids in their faith and teach them how to serve and follow Jesus, then they're going to last and they're going to go and, as we sang today, experience eternity with our God. Which is such a beautiful reality, and so today we'll begin this series. And I asked a special, special friend of mine. He's one of my mentors. He's a guy that's like a dad to me, and I appreciate him so much. He hasn't been with us in a while because he has been um, part of a church. He'll he'll explain all that to you uh, because he loves coming with us. I do want you to know I get text messages often from Dr. Pete as he says, "Hey, man, I'm praying for you this morning and just to encourage me." So he's thinking about core faith. I know that, and so he's been a blessing to us. He's a blessing. So I ask you to put your hands together for Dr. Pete Alwinson as a comes to share this morning. One thing really quick. So if you were at a restaurant and you sat down, you would have the option to take your mask off. So we wear masks during worship. Right now, you're not going to be talking. So if you want to take your mask off, you can feel free to do that now. When we're done, you can put it back on, but that's your choice. All right.
1: There we go. How's that? Is that a little bit better? All right, good. Good to be back with you and to uh, worship with you. I was asked to uh, fill into a church uh, that was looking for a new pastor, and they said it'd be just for a few months. It ended up being two and a half years. And so that's why I haven't been back here for a while, but it's good to be with you. I love, I miss you guys. And as you said, I love Bishop. He's on our board at. uh, Forge Ministry, which is a ministry to men, and uh, so what a privilege I get to see him and work with him often. But it is good to be with you, and I love, I love the title of this series, "Functional Faith." Functional Faith. It it's so good because it it really grabs me at a couple of different levels. One level is it sends the message that Christian faith. Is not like some rickety old car that you're always trying to push down the street. Uh, uh, it is functional. Whether you put the key in the ignition, you turn it on, you put it in gear, it goes. Christianity is functional. It works. It works in our everyday life because it is built on absolute truth. And so the reality is it functions, it operates, it works. And uh, Christianity is better than any other human philosophy, better than any other human psychology. It's better than having degrees after your name. It works. It works because God stands behind it. You know, hurricane season is coming. You know that? Or are we in it already? Yeah, we're in it already, I think. uh, uh, And so I was thinking the other day, I really, this is going to be the year I'm going to get a generator in case... The power goes out. I mean, it's, I've been here for 26 years, and I've never had a generator, and I've lost. So I decided I'm going to get a, a generator. My son and I were talking about it, and he was saying, Dad, do you want a generator that will work for more than a year? Do you want a, generate that will, a generator that will function uh, uh, for two years, maybe three years? Then you need to get a better generator than you're looking at right now. And, and I was thinking about that in terms of our faith. There's so many people that put their trust in that which is not gonna work. And that there's so many, we see so many people around us that have put their trust in something and it didn't work. It didn't, and yet they stay with it day after day. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, He saves us from sin and death and hell and purposelessness. And he leads us and guides us in the way we should go. He counsels us with his eye upon us. And it works. Now the other, so I love the title of this series. And then I love the title of it because so many of us, and there's so many lives around us that could be considered dysfunctional. Right? I mean, you know people. You know who people, like I know people, their lives are not working. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and, they're, and they're continuing to do what they do, uh, and, and, and you say, well, how is that working for you? Not really well, but you're, but you're still doing it. Um, and I was raised in a home that could, we put the D in dysfunction. I mean, our family was not really a functional family uh, we needed Jesus Christ to make things come together. And so uh, uh, a lot of times we bring our own dysfunction into our own lives. I love the story of the uh, two construction workers that were having lunch together. It was a Thursday and one guy opened up his lunch bag and he said, "Ah, cold lasagna again. And the guy goes, well, just ask your wife not to put cold lasagna in it on Thursdays. And he says, my wife, I make my own lunches. (laughs) And uh, The reality is a lot of the dysfunction, even though I want to blame other people, a lot of times it's my own fault and what sin has done in my life. So I need this. I, I need this idea. And I love this idea of functional faith. Now, It may well be that at this, and by the way, aren't we living in crazy times? They could only be considered dysfunctional when we're dealing with the C-19, the COVID-19. We're seeing in our American culture things that seem to be unraveling. And, and somebody said, this is as bad as it's ever been with rioting, with problems uh, racially and ethnically in our culture. And, 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 and I say, well, wait a minute. You see all this gray hair? I earned it. Um, I remember as a kid back in 1965 and 68. Yeah, I can remember back that far. And I was a kid, but there were riots and there was dysfunction in American culture. And somebody historian said the other day, he said, what we're going through now, today in America is every bit as bad as it was in 1968. And so and so the reality is we are going through dysfunctional times and we need Jesus. And in the midst of this time, it may seem, why are we talking about parenting? Shouldn't we be talking about something else? Not really in the long run. I think it's brilliant to be talking about parenting, but also grandparenting, right? Because the, because the fact of the matter is, it is parents who set the, st- the stage and the tone for what ought to be going on in our families. And it is, I know I did something up here, Bishop. Can you fix that? All oh, right, you can't fix it. I'm gonna do the best I can with this and i don't know because i talk with my hands so um you who are here and you who are in uh uh, uh, online we're doing the best we can but but it seems as given how radically weird our times are that what makes sense is for us to actually deal with the parenting thing because we have got to grow ourselves in the gospel and we have got to continue to develop that next generation because they are the ones, you are the ones, you little ones, and I see you out there, you are the ones that are gonna make the difference in the next generation, and parents, it's our job, and grandparents, it's our job as well to stay in the game and influencing that next generation. So what I wanna talk about for a few minutes that we have together to look into God's word is the number one task of a parent, the number one task of a parent, and the good thing is you've got four weeks with different speakers, And of course bishop to clean up the heresy if any of us commit the heresy and talk about parenting uh, you are here to uh, oversee what we say but today i want to talk about the number one task of a parent and how important that is in building the identity into the lives of our kids so let's talk about it the number one task of a parent is building the life by the way that's what parenting is parenting is building the life of your kids you get these babies and and one of our friends in in forge uh derek fritchie had his first first child well his wife had the first child but, but, his, but, but he had his firstborn son, <clears throat> Ryan Alexander Fritchie. What a name, right? What a great name. And, and he's so excited about his, uh, his first child being born. But what's, what does a parent do? What is our job? Our job is building a life. A life doesn't just happen. A good life doesn't just happen. It has to be built and so that's what parenting is and the first and most important task in building our kids is building into them an identity so what is it our identity our identity is really the issue of who am i right identity is who am i who am i really and as Christians, we understand that our identity is God-given, and it comes from Genesis. So let's take a look at what Genesis chapter 1 says. If you have your Bibles, Uh, turn to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I don't think there's a verse in here that I'm going to read today that you haven't heard before, but we need the, the, the repetitive reminders. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. This is God's holy word. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, as we think about that important text and unpack some of the issues related to that, what is it teaching us about who we are? So I want to ask you, Who are you are you a creature how many would agree you're a creature yes you are that's not the most flattering thing because i can say that about animals and dogs and the fish uh, that we can catch when we go fishing they're creatures too but you are the special creations of the living god you are made in the image of god and that word comes up how many times four times in that text You are made in the image of God. Are animals made in the image of God? No. And so animals, though they do reflect the creative power and wisdom of God, yes, that's true, they do not reflect the image of God in uh, in terms of personality, in the way we think, the way we feel, and the decision we make. That's where we're different. Animals work out of instinct. You and I work out of reasoning uh, our affections our feelings and our decision-making ability and so we're made in the image of god so that we can relate to god so is it a good thing that i call you a creature yes yes because you're not just the chance products of evolution right you didn't just crawl out of the primordial soup billions of years ago you're the special creations of a loving god but you're made in his image and so it's important that we say that. And by the way, God is incredibly creative, isn't he? In terms of how he makes us all. We look around the room, we're all different. Uh, we're all different with different tinges and tones of melanin. By the way, it's not melatonin. That's a uh, sleep aid, right? But we're that's melatonin. Melanin is the, the color, the pigmentation that we have. And, and isn't God creative? Wouldn't it be boring if everyone looked like me with gray hair? Uh, uh, you know but here it is you know here i am as a uh, venezuelan dad uh southern california mom and it is what it is and i didn't have a choice in it did i then you didn't have a choice in yours and so we're made in the image of god and and he, and he and he loves the differences and the uniquenesses of all of us well so we're made in the image of god but we know about the dysfunctionality of sin don't we it's it, it's in all of us. So what did God do? After creation went bad, what did he do? He said he planned right away. In Genesis three, we see that he planned to send his son, where the seed of the woman would crush the head of the snake. And so God from the very beginning planned to redeem us. And in fact, Jesus has come, second Corinthians five seventeen, says that if any man or woman or child, is in Christ, then we are what? New creation. We're new creatures. We're new creatures. And then Jesus put it so well in John, the beginning of uh, the Gospel of John. I love this. Uh, Whoever receives him, to them he gave the right to be called the, the children, the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's our identity, isn't it? Our identity was created in the image of God, but that fell and it was broken. That's why so many people don't know who they are. They don't know their identity. They're born into a world where they're, they're taught that ah, you're just a, you're just a, a, a chance of evolution. And so they, they think that that's who they are. They've got to create their own identity because they don't know that they were created in the image of God. And what happens in the gospel of Jesus Christ is that our image is restored in us and God begins the process of renewing that image in us so that we can become great as God defines greatness, children, sons, and daughters of the most high. That'll make you worship. That'll get me up in the morning remembering who I am, That that I'm not just a number. You're not just a number. You are the beloved daughter and son of the Most High God. And so identity is crucial. So when I say, who are you? You could say, well, I'm a creature. Good. I'm made in the image of God. Better. But in Christ, I am the deeply beloved, redeemed son or daughter of the Most High God. That's your identity. Now, is that important to live? Sure it is. Sure it is. Because what happens when you go to work and you fail one day? What, what happens if you're in sales and you don't meet your numbers? What happens if, and I'm looking at our, our, our wonderful keyboardist and worship leader over here, what happens if you would ever maybe make a mistake on the keyboard? I can't hear it because I can't sing. And I, and I love that you sing loudly here at Core Faith because you cover me up. But what if, what if you were to make a, a little mistake on the keyboard? I wouldn't know it, but your identity is still intact, isn't it? What happens if i don't preach a good sermon my identity is still intact and so it's so important for us as we think about moving ahead what happens when c19 shuts down your job you are not your job you are still the beloved son or daughter of the most high god so identity is absolutely important and we have to keep that in mind all right so if the number one important task of a parent and I suggest that it is, is building identity into our kids. How do we do it? How do we do it? I want to just use the rest of our time to talk about that because it is so crucial that we have and live our identity in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, and so uh, how do you build identity in our kids? And this is the, the, the parenting track. But, but I, I, I want to say, are, are grandparents important too? Yes. Boy, we are. We are. In fact, uh, my, my grandkids call me chief because I was too insecure to be called grandpa. I, I, I said, I'm, I'm not that old. You got to call me chief. And, and they actually do. <laughs> it's better. I don't feel so old. I actually like it. Um, and so, so, so how do we build an, a God-based, a gospel-centered identity into our children? Number one, we got to live it. As parents and as grandparents, we have to live that identity. We have to take that gospel that we sing about and that we will celebrate. And Bishop does a wonderful job this morning of, of segueing from a sermon into the Lord's Supper. Uh, you're going to love that. But, but we have to live our identity in Christ. Is it one thing to know that you are the deeply beloved, redeemed son or daughter of the Most High God? And another thing to actually live it? Yes, I suggest it is. We have to live that identity. I start every, every day in what I call my daily appointment with God because I need to remember who I am. I don't wake up happy. I, got, I have to have a little coffee. Coffee is God's gift. It's a vitamin. I want you to know. And I, I wake up and I remember, but I need to get into the Word of God. And I need to have the Bible remind me that I am God's son because the world is going to tell me you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. The world is going to say things to you and about you. And there's going to be things that I will do that will sabotage my own identity. So before I go out in the world every day, I need to remember who I am. And as we live our identity, what happens is, is, is that if you fail, you're still God's son or daughter. Uh, if you you could always start again Uh, you don't have to talk about yourself all the time you could talk about other people you could move into other people's lives uh, and and have a ministry if somebody disrespects you what happens by the way do people disrespect me yeah that happens because I'm old there's there's a thing called ageism now right right it's out there I've experienced it you don't know who I am and so they treat you in a particular way. But I can remember that I am God's what? Deeply beloved and redeemed son. And so living our identity in front of our kids and our grandkids helps us to, to teach them that they need to live out of their identity too. You get, you get that? So that if I'm disrespected or if I lose my job, by the way, have you ever been fired? Yeah, I've been fired. Everybody ought to be fired from a job at least once it's very it's it's very humbling isn't it it's very humbling uh and 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 i and i think what it does is it puts us into a different framework of life and so we can live in front of our kids and we can tell our kids you're not what that bully says about you you're not what that last test score says about you you are because you've become a christian God's deeply beloved and redeemed son. And so we need to live that in front of our kids and they catch it. So much is caught over time, which raises the second point. How do we build a gospel identity uh, into our children? Well, we need, we need to teach them, don't we? We need to lead them to Christ early on. Some of you have come to faith in Christ in this church, in the front row, for instance, and others And you've had your parents tell you over and over and over, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? Because we want you to have a redeemed identity. We want you to be able to leverage back to the identity that God gives you by creation and that he gives you fully in recreation in Christ. We want you to live out of that identity because knowing who you are makes all the difference in the world in every way. There are so many people who do not know who they are. And if they don't know who they are, they're always going to be trying to earn who they are. They're going to be trying to build their identity. But you can only get your identity bestowed from God. And so we need to teach our kids and our, our moms do teach us, but dads, one of the hardest things is at the end of the day, uh, we're we're done with our words. One study showed that, uh, women have 10,000 more words a day to use than a man. I don't know if that's true. Sounds, sounds like it's possibly true to me, but I know I'd come home at the end of the day and I just kind of want to say, Hey guys, how you doing? See you later. See you at bedtime. And just kind of, but we can't do that, can we, dads? So dads, we have to, we have to stay in it, tap in. Like, like I was talking to, the, to Pastor Aldo, uh, saying that, you know, at the end of the day, we, we punch our clock from work and punch another clock. I'm in now working with my kids and my family. we got to be fully engaged, and we got to teach our kids. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child according to their way when they're older than what? They will not... Depart from it. Yes. And so that teaching is laying, that's how we build lives, build our kids. Do you ever get tired of training your kids? Oh, man. On Fridays now, we have our grandkids, three of them. And my firstborn son, Joel, who Bishop knows, um, now has his son. And just as my firstborn son was born telling me what to do, his son has a wonderful plan for his dad's life and loves to tell his dad what to do. And so we get him on Fridays, and I repeat the same things over, why it's, why it's four now, over and over and over again. But that's the way it's got to be, isn't it? Learning is repetitive, and so when they get older, it's fun to be able to see my son. Like yesterday, 4th of July, we were over at their house. I was watching my son deal with his son, and I'm off duty. I don't have to do a thing. It's, good. it's, all, it's all yours, Joel. <clears throat> but one, wonderful to see my son developing his son and his two daughters of course the daughters are a little bit easier to get along with in those early days right yeah there we go but dads here's the deal dads moms we got to teach the identity in christ don't we we got to teach it when they sin when they fail we need to lead them to repent of their sin and and ask forgiveness in jesus but then remind them don't leave them in that sense of failure Remind them, you are forgiven by God, and you are God's deeply beloved, redeemed daughter or son. Uh, We've got to lead them to Christ. And then as we discipline them, as we train them, we got to keep doing that. Uh, even in Sunday school classes, I suspect, uh, children's ministries, we've got to do that too. So how do you build that gospel identity? You've got to live it yourself, and then you've got to teach it to your kids, and then you've got to love them into your identity. That's the third thing, and I love this idea because so often uh, we know that God loves us, but do we feel that God loves us? Do we experience the love of God in our hearts? I'll tell you when, you, when I worship at Core Faith Church, I come to feel it more. Is that important? Yes. Because I know a lot of things about God. <clears throat> I knew a lot of things about my earthly father. But what I wasn't sure of was if he really loved me. Because there were a lot of times when I didn't feel it. I know I'm not the only one. And so what's important for us in in building that gospel identity of who they are as a deeply beloved, redeemed son or daughter of the Most High God, we have got to love them even when we don't feel like they're so lovable. Again, talking with my friend here my pastor friend in the front row to the left uh was telling me that when when the kids are doing great they are our kids but when they're not doing too good they're your kids right Uh, and sometimes we feel that way and the reality is is there are times when parenting and grandparenting is really really difficult and you want to give up don't you you know, I say, have you ever said, I'm done? I'm done. You're on your own. You know what I found? I have found that a lot of parents are done developing their kids when their kids get into middle school. They actually sort of give up. In actuality, when are kids the most difficult? It's not when they're young, it's when they're in middle school. <laughs> everything is changing in a big way and so a lot of parents are absolutely done and we've got to love them and we've got to show that warmth to them I was uh, uh, doing a radio interview with a with a guy uh, a week ago and after it was done uh, we did some time with the producer and the talk show host and we were it was an online kind of thing and so we could all see each other and we were talking about the role of dads in in our lives and and this producer who's about my age um was saying he, he was an only child and uh at all of his life he never knew if his dad really loved him he never felt it and so he said when his dad was 94 and in the hospital uh, he, was, he was the only child. So he was in the hospital helping his dad just take care of the daily stuff that a 94-year-old man needs to do in a hospital. And, I mean, he said, he said, I never knew if he loved me. I never knew what he thought of me. He said, I'd come home with straight A's just to get him to say, I love you. But when his dad was 94, in the hospital one day, he said, to this producer, he said, you know, you're a good boy, you're a good boy. (laughs) And the producer went out into the hallway and cried his eyes out because he never knew if he was loved. And parents and grandparents, what the gospel does for us is it helps us know that we are loved so that we can then help our kids and other people know that they are loved you build an identity by modeling it by teaching them but by loving them even when they're other people's kids (laughs) extremely difficult to love but we have got to allow the gospel to, to to let us know the love of God. one guy said you know i i you know what i am to my father i'm a comma my dad talks, then I talk, and then my dad picks back up talking about himself. It's just as if I never talked. To my dad, I'm a comma. Have you felt that way about your earthly parent experience, that you were a comma, that you didn't matter? In the gospel, you do, and you can pass that on to your kids and how important that is to let them know how valuable they are Psalm 139 one of my favorite Psalms and maybe you have read it too oh Lord you have searched me and known me you know my sitting down and my rising up you understand my thought from afar you comprehend my path and my lying down you are acquainted with all my ways Uh, Isn't it wonderful that God knows everything about you? And then it says this in verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You covered me uh, in my mother's wounds. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Parents, grandparents, people in the church, if we're going to build gospel identity, it's to be able to look at the exceptional abilities that God has built into those little Packages that God has given us, and they all grow up. And to see their extraordinary gifts and to be able to tell them where they're gifted, to be able to show them how God has wired them in good ways, that builds a gospel identity of confidence in who they are and why they're on the planet. And then lastly, you train them uh, to have this god, godly identity as, as, as you help them understand who they are in Christ and how that identity works out in Christ's likeness in their life. That identity always has to blossom forth into character, doesn't it? into a we talk about being gospel people living in the world as representatives of Jesus Christ that you and I perhaps are the only god they will ever other people will ever see and that if we understand our identity as god's deeply beloved redeemed sons and daughters then that flushes out in our character. As Dr. King once said, it doesn't matter uh, the color of our skin. What matters is the content of our character. And that comes from a gospel identity. I'm God's deeply beloved and redeemed son. Therefore, I want to live in this way. And so identity always flushes out in the way we live, doesn't it? And that's what we have got to teach our kids. Train up a child. According to the way, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, that doesn't mean it just works all the time on my schedule. Every family I've ever known as a pastor has had one person in the family that might be considered the wandering sheep that had to be brought home. And that maybe took longer than, it, than, than you wanted it to take to bring that wandering sheep home. And so a lot, of, a lot of Christian parents, they said, I've done everything right, I've tried it. I, well, not everything. Have we done everything right? Uh, no. But they said, I've tried to do most everything right, and they've done most everything right, and they still had a child that wandered away from the faith. And, and, and we feel an enormous amount of guilt about that. So I want to give you some grace if you have a child that's not following Christ uh, and, and to understand that we've got to just stick with it, right? Stay with it. Never give up. Never give up. And you don't know they're a covenant child. In God's timing, they probably will come back. But we don't get to change. We don't get to touch the heart in terms of the power of God. We can be the conduit to that, but he has to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. I, when I was in seminary a couple of years ago, I uh, had a professor who was a brilliant man. He knew four. Teen languages. In fact, this man was so brilliant, I never took a class from him because I knew that he would kill me on the grades. I knew I, I, I may not be able to pass. I never took a class from him. One day I overheard him talking to another professor, and he said, my daughter has come back to her baptism. She was 40, and she had just come back to faith in Christ. And so stick with it. Never give up. Uh, stick with your kids and train them and teach them. And help them to see how the identity fleshes out into character in the way they live out there. Warmly, patiently, teach your kids, model Christian character. When you sin as a parent, what should you do? Confess. I cannot tell you how many times I got mad at my firstborn son. And I worried that he, he would, because I, I got mad and I disciplined him. I learned, I can't get mad. All that. I got to discipline him without getting angry. And God forgave me for that. And God helped me to move into training him without getting angry all the time. But I had to keep training him. And so you got to keep in the process. you got to stay in there. Don't give them everything they want. If you mess up, confess your sins, but don't give them everything. Teach them to save, to work. Uh, Teach them the values that are very important that will lead them to success. When they get mad at you because you've said no to them on something, that's okay. Is it, it's okay if your kids get mad at you because you want to, you're building life. You're not building a friendship. That will come later. If you train a life and you love them and they know it, they will forgive you and they will know that even though you were a little hot headed with them at times, you meant well and you stayed with them because you wanted them to succeed. Uh, And so uh, dads, moms, we live in a culture that is intentionally right now trying to destroy the family. That's why a functional faith and starting out talking about parenting is so crucial because many look at American culture and see it as unraveling in front of our eyes. American culture... Uh, as every good culture was built around the single unit of the family. And as you parent well, as we grandparent well, as we stay in the game, we then can help build that next generation in a powerful, powerful way that advances the gospel of Jesus Christ. That great theologian Tupac Shakur once said this. He said... That is a joke, thank you for laughing, I'm glad. He said, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I would have had some discipline. I'd have more confidence. Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can. You need a man to teach you to be a man. Boy, that's so true. And so dads never forget the importance of your role. Grandfathers never forget the importance of your role. And moms stay in there, particularly if you have boys, they're tough. Stay in there, stay in there. They need you. Uh, We live in a time where the family is being dismissed, but where Bishop and this church and the Bible really understands that the family is crucial. And so we must parent and grandparent and disciple well for the future. Peter Drucker, the management expert, said, the best way to predict the future is to create it and we create the culture the future best as we develop our kids we can't control everything but we can try to develop them you take it to heart let's pray and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper our great God what a joy to be your children what a joy that there's that we're all adopted in Christ and, and that you have developed us and are developing us. May we continue to develop our children and the children of this church. And Lord, how we thank you that you can continue to teach us how to build that gospel identity into them. We honor you and we praise you as we pray in Jesus' strong name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that this service encouraged you and built your faith in Christ as well as called you to action. Please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and
0: Instagram. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe so you can stay connected and be informed of when we post new content. If there's any way we can pray for you or serve you, or if you would like more information on a relationship with Christ, email us at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. Make sure to IM us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram.